Welcome to That Breastfeeding Podcast, brought to you by the volunteer admins of Extended Breastfeeding in Ireland. We are fully WHO compliant and 100% volunteer-led and sponsorship-free. All opinions expressed here today are fully our own and we speak from our own personal experiences. We hope you enjoy. On today's episode of That Breastfeeding Podcast, we aim to give a voice and a platform to parents to tell their stories about birthing and establishing breastfeeding during the pandemic. They also speak to the role of online support during this time. Hello, my name is Anne, and today I'm joined by Emma. Hi. Rebecca. Hello. And Sarka. Hiya. So we're going to begin today with a short clip sent into us by one of our members. My name is Ellie and I currently have a 14 week old curled up in my arms asleep. His name's Oliver. I'm excited to share my story with you. Um, so Oliver is my second baby. He was born here at home uh, in June and we have a th- almost three year old Luke as well. He was born in 2018. Uh, so we chose to have Oliver at home uh, in a home birth with a midwife uh, from Private Midwives Ireland. Um, because of the uncertainties around maternity care in Ireland uh, during the pandemic. So that was a a big factor in deciding to go with a home birth. But the other deciding factor was that I knew I would have support in the early postpartum days. Um, So for at least two weeks, a midwife would be here and uh, support me through breastfeeding and any other issues that could arise in that period. Um, So that was critical for me because when Luke was born we had quite a rocky start. Luke had a posterior tongue tie that was undiagnosed until he was six weeks old. We actually hired a a lactation consultant privately and she came in and diagnosed uh, the tongue tie. We then went down to National Tongue Tie Centre in Clonmel and worked with the doctor to have the tongue tie corrected and they also have you work with their own lactation consultant and physiotherapist. Um, so I felt like that that set us off on the right start after we got the diagnosis for Luke. Um, but up until that point, I found the care here in Ireland. Um, so I'm American and I've been here for about six years in Ireland. Um, but the care was very much, there was a lot of pressure put on breastfeeding during the pregnancy. And as soon as issues arose after I gave birth to Luke, um, I felt a lot of pressure to just top up with formula. Uh, which from what I know now, <laughs> that's, that's actually one of the worst things that you can do. Um, so for myself, you know, watching friends breastfeed, watching sister-in-laws breastfeed, having a mother that breastfed us all for at least a period of time and hearing her experiences, I was really determined to feed with Luke um, and went on to feed him for 25 months. So after we, we got through those initial um, you know struggles with breastfeeding with the tongue tie um you know we were kind of for the most part smooth sailing at about six months i found the extended breastfeeding page on facebook and god the 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 source of support that i received through them although it's not face-to-face support um knowing that there's always another mom there that she can post and it can be 3 a.m and somebody is going to come back to you immediately I don't think there's anything that can replace a lactation consultant coming out 
you know, in assessing your situation and giving you tips and tricks to feed you or baby specifically, there's something to be said for having that instant cheerleader on the other end of the 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 phone uh, or the keyboard um, and to know that there's other women that are going through similar experiences that are able to share tips and tricks and what worked for them or just cheer you on or, you know, let you know that you're heard. I think that's critical. Uh, for myself, the lack of face-to-face support has been really challenging throughout the pandemic. Um, once I sought support when I had Luke, it was there. Um, now, it was definitely me going out and asking for the help, finding the lactation consultant, getting help from the amazing midwives, the home midwives that would come out after we had Luke for our insurance company, you know, public health nurses, doctors, things like that. This time around, it's a different ball game. You know, um, that face-to-face support just isn't available because of the pandemic. Um, it's so much harder to get somebody to come into the home. You know, you're either having to go into an office or you're having to do a Zoom call. And that's really challenging to find that um face-to-face support, even even just connecting with other moms after swim classes and having a coffee or, you know, a sensory class and having a coffee. It's just not there. Um, you know, so taking out that factor of, of support in breastfeeding through the pandemic, I think it really turns to the community that's online um, and being able to connect with that community and being able to advocate for ourselves as breastfeeding moms. Um, as sad as that is going into the future, um, you know, I think it's important for especially seasoned breastfeeding moms to support first time moms, to support each other um, and to make the noise around, you know, we need to have the resources available. It shouldn't be like pulling teeth, trying to find those resources um, to set up an early foundation, a good foundation for, you know, our children, for uh, mothers that are postpartum. Um, I think the pandemic has made that more uh, noticeable than it ever was before, which is is extremely important. Um, so that's a little bit about my journey anyway. Uh, uh, so we're feeding still and it's going well and hopefully we'll have a nice long breastfeeding journey uh, as I did with Luke. Uh, thank you so much, Ellie, for sharing your story with us. Uh, does anyone have any thoughts they'd like to share? Um, hi, I guess the thing that I find very comforting is, you know, Ellie's story really highlights the importance of peer support and that EBI, it really is its members. That's what makes it so important. And the whole saying of it takes a village, that has been lacking during the pandemic for so many breastfeeding families. Um, parents are having to advocate for themselves when it comes to breastfeeding and it must be absolutely exhausting and it really came through in Ellie's story about how EBI the members on EBI how they share those experiences how they're passing on that support and okay the members may not each person may not have the expertise that an IBCLC would have or the specific knowledge for that breastfeeding dyad but sometimes it's just somebody else saying that sounds so hard or oh god I remember that or we have just gone through that um for me that's what really came through in Ellie's story just how I guess 
he felt supported by EBI and everyone who's on it. And yeah, I, I thought it was a really lovely story to to listen to. Yeah, I think uh, for myself, like it, it was such a incredible journey for her and she had resources and she had support and she knew where to go. So for Ellie, it was a, a challenging time, like a really challenging time. Um, and I wonder about the people who don't have those resources. I wonder if they have a devastating time. They lose their breastfeeding journey. So it just goes to show how any support to get you into the next place is just so important. Um, does anyone else have anything they want to share? Um, I guess just to echo what Rebecca said there, like Ellie did mention quite a lot about missing out on the face-to-face -face meetings. And I think the likes of... Um, lactation consultants and you know the breastfeeding counsellors a lot of the time people would sort of only see them a couple of times or they might speak to them on the phone um but that real life meeting up with other mothers um I'm a I just think body language as well is so important and even as much as the mum-to-mum -mum groups try to facilitate group meetings it's sometimes especially with a new mother who's really tired face to face you'll pick up on that flicker of something on her face or a hesitancy in saying something that will make another mum reach out and just check in and that's even on zoom I think that's missing as well so yeah my heart goes out to every single it's hard enough being a new mother it's hard enough reaching out and finding all the supports but then having an extra obstacle during the pandemic is just just one other thing on top of it so fair play to anyone who persevered through it. I was just going to say that I think um, that definitely that sense of solidarity at three o'clock in the morning that you're not the only one sitting up in a dark room feeding a baby while your partner may be sleeping in the bed next to you um, is amazing. And also for me, especially, and I, I think a lot of us who are part of EBI, there's not a lot of places where we can have a moan about breastfeeding and about the struggles without our our loved ones and supporters who who are just coming from a place of concern and love for us as the mother or as a as a person in our own right um and there that we can have a moan about breastfeeding and the challenges that come with breastfeeding and to be able to say that and just say yeah yeah it's tough right now that's a really tough situation whereas you know we may feel family members or friends will just say, well, just give it up then. Just, you know, pack it in. If it's so hard, why put yourself through that? Um, so yeah, definitely for me, and I think for some other people, EBI is that space where you can have a moan about the really tough days. Yeah, and we know that does happen, you know. <laughs> um, okay, so next, uh, Emma is going to read Grania's story. Okay, so this is Grania's story. Um, as with a lot of breastfeeding stories, we had a rough start. My pride at not seeking help combined with my fear of COVID meant that I didn't seek the help that I'd so desperately needed at the time when I needed it most. Going into this journey, I knew it wasn't going to be easy, but my serious lack of knowledge meant that I was left bewildered. I didn't have any face-to-face -face classes in pregnancy, no antenatal classes at all, let alone ones focused on breastfeeding. Nobody mentioned how difficult it might be to get baby to latch, especially if you were engorged. Luckily, my mom breastfed my siblings, and so I had her for support. 
My baby was born in January at the height of the second wave. My midwife was very stern and old school. She criticized my latch without offering empathetic support. I ended up uh, being hand expressed by a healthcare assistant and felt like I was being milked like a cow. Midwives insisted that I gave formula and then, en and then ended up losing five mils of my colostrum. The lactation consultant helped a bit, but with flat nipples, I felt doomed before I started. I ended up using nipple shields and things improved. However, weight gain became an issue. I was scolded like a school child but my P or by my PHN for not telling her I was using nipple shields. I didn't know what to do. I bit the bullet and sought help from a private lactation consultant at three and a half months. She was very kind, but she suggested so many remedies, including pumping, changing position, hand compressions and topping up with pumped milk. I just felt very overwhelmed, especially as this consultation took place online, which really I don't think was the same. After trying all of this for three days, I ended up making the decision to exclusively pump so I could count what she was getting. It was difficult and it still is. She's now coming up on nine months and she is still receiving breast milk. I'm proud of that. She is still a tiny tot, but has been assessed by the pediatrician and doesn't see any issues with her. I have tried to relatch her a few times, but she hasn't a clue what breasts really are, let alone how to latch. My GP doesn't understand why I just don't put her back on the boob. My PHN hasn't seen her since four months. I just feel like I received little to no help from the health service and it's only by pure determination and stubbornness on my part that she's still getting breast milk. This group has been good, but I have been part of another couple of groups where I felt judged for initially using breast shields or nipple shields and now exclusively pumping. I've heard people comment that I'm not really breastfeeding because she's bottle fed. I wish that there was a bit more understanding about pumping. In fact, I read an article the other day criticizing it as the easy way out and that it's not as good for baby as breastfeeding, which broke my heart. It's not easy. I wish people would talk about pumping more. With such a small percentage of the Irish population breastfeeding, an even smaller percentage exclusively pumping for various reasons. I just wish people would be less critical of it and stop seeing it as the easy way out. I really do feel let down by the health service. I missed out on antenatal education and postnatal support. My baby and I both deserve better than the lack of support we received. Uh, thank you, Emma, for reading that. Um, I have to say I've had every emotion listening to that story, like rage, like anger, like sadness, like just I'm so in awe of that incredible mother. Like you're incredible. Um, anyone have any other things besides immediate emotions yeah i was like you and oh my god how is how has gronia managed to continue giving her child breast milk and i'm sorry i'm getting a bit emotional here because when i hear these stories um i've just all the issues from start to finish and even before her breastfeeding journey began, the like the lack of information and support. And then, I mean, don't get me started on the very questionable, problematic things that seem to have been going on um, where she was receiving her care. Um, and I, like, I'm very much of the opinion, you know, if a baby's receiving any colostrum or any breast milk, that is breastfeeding. 
it takes so much effort. Giving a bottle of breast milk is not the easy way out. It's, it's twice the work. Like Gronia, honestly, you're an, absolute, you're an absolute legend. And I'm so sorry that you have to go through, like jumping through hoops of fire by the sounds of it, to manage to feed your baby. And pumping mums are, are incredible, like all the time, let alone during a pandemic and all of that. I won't use rude words, but everything that you have to deal with, it, it's so awful. Oh. Sorry, I'm just really upset and angry on her behalf that all of these things happened. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I sort of, even though I'd read it before reading it out here, I still struggled reading it, just sort of feeling what she'd gone through. Um, one of the things, without sort of blowing her own trump, but one of the things that I'm really proud of in EBI is that, you know, we're supportive of every type of breastfeeding we're supportive of all um parents whether it's exclusive breastfeeding from the breast whether it's pumping whether it's combination feeding we respect those journeys and i think a really important part of breastfeeding advocacy is to respect the different journeys that people may go through and there are so many you know spaces out there that might not be as well moderated they might not be as safe that people believe that it's all black and white recognizing having to take a different route than, you know, feeding exclusively from the breast. That's not being anti-breastfeeding and it's not being unsupportive. And I'm really, really sad that she had to hear those. And I really, really hope that Grania recognises that what she's doing and what she has done is absolutely amazing. All right. Uh, so next we are going to hear from one of our members, partners. Hi, my name is Aidan. I was asked to say a few words about our family's breastfeeding journey through the pandemic. Our first child was born six months before the pandemic. It was quite a difficult start to our journey. She had a posterior tongue tie, which we were lucky was diagnosed because it's not something that the hospital would check for. Um, but we had a midwife who had experience in that and she suggested that that's what it might be. So we had a, we went privately then to a clinic when she was only three days old and, and they were able to take care of it immediately, actually. So that, that was brilliant. Then we'll say we, once we had that taken care of, it wasn't clear sailing. It's, breastfeeding is, there's, there's an awful lot to it, which, which I definitely underestimated. Our families weren't without intending to be they just they, they just weren't able to offer support and advice because both our mothers even though they had breastfed they had forgotten <laughs> what was involved and and it was a case of well you just do it you know so thankfully my wife was able to get some support online through the through the ebi community we'll say and they advised that she go to an IBCLC, uh, which is a lactation consultant, um, and she was brilliant to to help. It seems, you know, a simple thing, but it's 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 quite complex when you actually get into it and then different positions and and everything that that you can have and look. It may be easy for some people, but for some people more, it, it it's a it's a it's a real challenge and and a, a skill that has to be learned and and both for the mother and the baby 
then in terms of when she was six months old then we'll say everything was shut down uh, and that was right at the stage where my wife was getting the confidence that she wanted to go out in the world again and and she wanted to go to some breastfeeding groups but but none of that was possible so the online community was brilliant at that stage to to make her feel connected and to to make her help her talk through the issues that she was still having and and the next phases that we're going into because there's such a learning curve that children are always developing and learning how to introduce solids at that point and how to handle biting situations and and teeth and the fear of teeth and really good support she got from that group and and even just reading through the posts because she didn't need to post herself very often because there was so much good information there and 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 that helped her you know level up her confidence and the online groups have been have been very good for my wife for her mental health so as this talk is to be about how our experience was through the pandemic. It's maybe important to mention that we actually contracted COVID, all three of us. But our, our daughter, she was just just before she turned two, was when she got it as well. And uh, she was quite sick with it. So her throat was very sore. She couldn't drink much or, or eat much. Um, but thankfully, you know, breast milk and feeding that way kept her going during that time, really. Um and we were in hospital with her as well because it was it was uh you know she wasn't able she was quite dehydrated but um thankfully like the the breastfeeding really really supported her through that we'll say um and since as well we've had issues since of of different viruses and she's got really nasty ulcers in her mouth and things from from some some post covid virus we think that also like breastfeeding through that because she wasn't able to eat anything else really so she was only having breast milk and we had to go into hospital with her and they were impressed that her blood sugar levels were 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 so high considering that she wasn't able to to eat or or drink much else so uh so that has been a great support to us all okay that's it for me thanks for listening okay uh does anyone have anything they want to share What a sweetheart. <laughs> I just think it's beautiful how much that that couple obviously share with each other and how close they obviously are when he's, he knows all that about his partner's journey. It's, um, yeah, it's just beautiful, I think. Yeah, I think um, it's really lovely to hear it from the partner's perspective and it's really lovely to hear I love the way he spoke about it like it was just matter of fact it was just like we went into hospital blood sugars were up that's the breastfeeding it's you can tell there's no question of him being that supportive through it and one thing I love that he said and I really picked up on it is that breastfeeding is a skill that the mother and the baby have to learn there's so much said about being the natural thing and yes it is the biologically natural thing to do but it's also a skill that has to be learned and I just think that's a really important thing that you know not everyone is just gonna you know get on with it straight away without having issues and again reaching out for the support is there but um, I'm really grateful to him and his family for sharing this story especially you know number one during the pandemic and number two because they actually experienced getting COVID and 
Props to that mama for feeding her baby while they all had COVID. Absolutely amazing. So well done. Yeah, I can only reiterate everything that Sirka and Emma have already said. Um, like, I love, I love hearing supportive partners cheering on their breastfeeding mom, and it's oh, I just love it so much. And I, I thought it was really interesting how how Aiden highlighted that a lot of the resources, um, like as in, if you can afford to access resources, quite often they're aimed at breastfeeding infants they're not aimed at you know when you reach that magical six month mark <laughs> when the teeth start coming and all the kind of like oh no what do I do now and I think EBI really fills that like it's a massive gap like EBI fills that um and we help just with those moments that you question yourself and Jesus like that mom breastfeeding during COVID and all of um, those post-viral issues that that must have been so scary but you can just tell that it's not just the the breastfeeding parent and the infant or the child you know there's other people who are in that breastfeeding diet as well and the sense of respect that he has for her and you can tell that it's obviously a really strong relationship and that he is he is in awe of this amazing woman. And yeah, it was just, it was so lovely and so refreshing because I think quite often we don't get that um, male perspective on it. Uh, so yeah, thanks Aidan for, for having sent that in. That was brilliant. Okay, so next we are going to hear Dara's story read by Rebecca. Okay, so this is Dara's story. Our little girl was born in June, 2020. So in the first few months of the pandemic, I knew I wanted to breastfeed, but had done no research beyond that, something I would definitely change if I could. And there had been no hospital classes, etc. either. When she arrived, my partner was only allowed to be in the delivery room, and then we couldn't see him again until we got home. So those first two nights, we were alone in the hospital. It ended up that she wouldn't lack for the first five days, despite lots of help from midwives. But thankfully, I got to see the hospital lactation person who set me up pumping. So I pumped and bottle fed her at the start. When I got home, the visits from the community midwives and public health nurse were so important, as we didn't have anyone else visiting except my mum because of COVID. It was one of the community midwives that helped me to get her latched on day five. Without that, I don't know if it would ever have happened. Then we were off but I struggled a lot with pain for the first three months, mainly due to a tight jaw and had overactive letdown, lots of blocked ducts, vasospasm, and a lot of leakage, which was tough going. At week five, a friend suggested I try the Quidu online meetings and they were a complete lifesaver. I'd never really watched other people breastfeeding before, at least not when it meant anything to me. And it was amazing to be able to talk about it and hear other stories. Because of the pain, etc., I also saw a lactation consultant about five weeks in, first in person and a second time online as restrictions had changed, and that was also so helpful. The final thing that made such a difference to me was having friends at the end of a phone call who had breastfed, and one friend in particular whose baby was two weeks younger than me, who lives within my 5k. 
We met for walks every week and shared all things breastfeeding. She had a rough time too, and it was so helpful to be on this journey together. We'd also feed together on benches and parks and had some lovely feedback and comments from people, which was really empowering. I'm still feeding now at 15 months, and it's been such a special journey overall. And um, just like that, it really sounds like the determination was there. And um, even though the, the real life support may not have been there as much as she wanted, um, it was great that she was able to find the Quiju meetings and, and have that friend that they could discuss everything with. It's, it's really uplifting when you feel like you're not in it alone that you're you're on a journey at the same time as somebody else and to be able to have that solidarity is uh yeah it's great sounds like yeah fair place them one thing i really love about ebi is that it is that place where you see people and you can talk to people but you also hear about all of those resources that are out there like those online meets those uh quiju volunteers and the leaders and all of these people who are here and it reduces your barrier to entry to get breastfeeding support because we've heard so many people saying even in this um, pod today that they've almost ha had they were able to get it right they, they were privileged enough almost to get support um you need friends you need a family you need an advocate you need somebody who's on your side so it's really good to hear that this person had it and it sounds like even with all those physical struggles, like they had everything I can think of nearly, they're able to move on to the next piece and it hasn't stayed with them too much. It sounds like they're they're in a good headspace. Um, and I love that, love it. I really liked when she was saying that, or she created the image of her and a friend sitting on the bench, breastfeeding together and yeah, it was so lovely that she mentioned that people were giving them positive feedback. And I think with the pandemic and everything, a lot of people are almost afraid when they see others out breastfeeding to, you know, give the thumbs up or to say, hey, well done. Um, obviously, because we want to keep our distance. But I think it's incredible that she was able to pick up on that positive feedback that members of the public were giving her and her friend when they were out breastfeeding in public because you know it can be a daunting time for a lot of people but it's it sounds like her journey is you know it's in a really good space like you were saying and yeah and just in relation to seeing people feed in public like we've seen it on ebi before that you know a member might comment that they saw a mother out breastfeeding at the zoo or in town or whatever and that gave them that little boost that they needed and that's another another impact of covid i guess is that you know there might be especially people with younger babies they're, they're hesitant to go out or if they do go out because they have to go out they're keeping the baby tucked away in the buggy or tucked away in the sling because they're afraid to expose the baby. So another sort of knock on effect of COVID and the pandemic that I probably hadn't even considered is that these mothers who can't get out and don't get out to groups, they're also probably less likely to be out in public, to be visible, to be breastfeeding, which means that all these other people aren't exposed to that normalization of breastfeeding as well. It's quite interesting. Okay, so next we're going to hear from Sarka about her experience. 
Welcome, Zarka. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks. I'm delighted to be here. Can you tell us a bit about your experience of birthing and initiating breastfeeding during the pandemic? Yeah. Um, so I had my third baby, Dulta, in April 21 this year. And um, I guess the, the biggest challenge for me to have a baby or my experience of having a baby during the pandemic was that was my own anxiety. Um, I was super anxious about the healthcare that I would receive uh, during my pregnancy and during my labor and postpartum in the hospital. I was worried that it would be substandard. I was worried that I'd be neglected. Um, and I was really worried that about not having my husband, my partner there with me for the bulk of my labor. And, um, and also after the baby was born at that time, he was only allowed to visit for half an hour each day. Um, so yeah, I was, I was really worried about that other 23 and a half hours after <laughs> of the day being all by myself with the newborn and whatever, uh, however I might be after the labor physically as well um but during my pregnancy I worked on that I got a bit coaching around it from some really good friends and I was able to set my anxiety aside and create a future <laughs> it sounds a bit probably very fairy but uh, I was able to create it that I would experience excellent healthcare. And that's actually exactly what I got. That's exactly what I experienced. Um, when I went into labor, I, my water's broken. There was meconium in the waters. So I was put straight into a labor suite. So my husband was there for the entire thing. And my midwife said to me, I am here for you. Whatever you need is you just tell me. Um, so that was amazing. And um, then afterwards, uh, I spent two days then. So he was born on a Saturday night and we stayed in uh, until the Monday morning. And my experience of being in the ward before with my other two children was that the midwives were so rushed and so harried and there really was no time spent with them or you know if you're having any problems very very much left to your own devices um this time there was only four beds in the ward instead of six so um and there was a midwife available in in my room basically nearly mm -hmm. at all times and they were so available to me they checked in every time they saw me nursing how is it going this time? How is this feed going for you? How's your latch? How does it feel? And I saw them spending that time with the other mothers as well. And I guess with um, being a third time mom and a third time breastfeeder, I knew there was something not right. The latch wasn't correct. And I was starting to experience a bit of pain and nipple damage. And I was 
with all my experience behind me and all of my uh, knowledge, I suppose, that I've garnered from being on EBI for the last four years, <laughs> I was like, no, I know there's something not right. And my second child had a posterior tongue tie, so I half expected it to happen again with this this little guy. Um, and so when I said that to the midwives, they listened and they heard me and they respected me. And I felt very respected and very heard. And the lactation consultant then investigated and she said, yeah, OK, I, I feel like he has posterior tongue tie. And she arranged for me to uh, be seen at the ear, nose and throat clinic within the hospital uh, the morning before we were discharged. And he got it snipped and it was amazing amazing that I didn't have to go back to the hospital or go and seek further um, advice about why the latch wasn't right. Um, I live in a rural area. I live about 60 miles from my hospital. So journeying in and out is, is a bit of an ordeal. And I was really grateful to not have to do that excessive excessive amounts of times um so yeah just I really appreciated that I was listened to that the time was spent with me by the midwives and um yeah it was really lovely and as for my husband not being available for 23 and a half hours <laughs> of the day it was lovely. It was actually so peaceful in the wards with no visitors. It was so peaceful. And one beautiful, amazing midwife, she, she said, I'll take your baby. You go have a shower. And when I came back out of the shower, my bed was freshly dressed and the baby was asleep in the bassinet. <laughs> um, and yeah, it was so I had a really, I had a really great experience. I think uh, the biggest part of it, though, was that I had confidence in myself, not just because of my experience, but because I'm a part of Extended Breastfeeding Ireland. And I know that at any time of the day or night, I can go on there and ask for help. Um, and that if if I come if I came up again if I came across a healthcare professional whose advice I wasn't so on board with, I can go to EBI and say, "Hey, this is what they've said. How does this sound to you guys? Because it doesn't sound it sounds a bit off to me." Um, and having that support with my friends as well that I can I can go and say. I'm really experiencing a lot of anxiety around this. I don't want that to be the case. Can you help me through it? And um, yeah, so the confidence isn't just that me, I'm, I'm a big, strong, solid person. It's that I know I have support around me and I really, um, really solid in that knowledge that I have the support around me. Well, thank you for sharing that a beautiful story and it's so reassuring to hear someone having a good experience like it, it reassures me as someone who wants to have more children and I'm, I'm very wary and nervous of what might happen in a hospital setting and um, what's it been like for you since you've come home so since April 
So um, I was delighted when my public health nurse, so she was a new public health nurse to me. She came on the first day and she was asking me about how was the breastfeeding going. And uh, she, I told her about the tongue tie situation and she was like, oh, I did my thesis on tongue tie. <laughs> and I was so thrilled to, you know, to come across somebody who was that experienced with, with breastfeeding and had that knowledge. So I was delighted with that. And um, my, my husband was able to take the two weeks paternity leave off. So that was great. Um, I think not being able to go to real life meetings actually hasn't affected me so much. Again, because I live in a rural setting, there is not that many local things available to me and I've really appreciated the way the pandemic has made everyone get online and and develop these these online relationships and and online um supports so um yeah in that sense I haven't had a negative experience of not being able to see face-to-face -face other people um, and getting that face-to-face -face advice and I suppose yes after the tongue tie was corrected I had no more issues after that so I was mm. I was lucky in that sense um I have two older children so I guess I would have been out and about a lot more with them if we hadn't been in restricted times and so it was quite nice and I appreciate that we kind of did we're just nesting and settling and being at home and doing lots of lying down feeds and um yeah that was that worked for us okay does anyone have any questions for Sarka I didn't think of any questions as such but one thing that I picked up on Sarka is like number one I think it's amazing that you know, you've had such an overall positive experience, I guess. But it was really interesting that despite that positive experience, the anticipation and the anxiety was still there because of COVID. And it's really important that you pointed that out because, you know, it could be that someone would turn around and be like, okay, look, I got the room, I got my husband with me, we didn't have too many issues and I, I didn't really miss the face-to-face -face. and then on the surface it's like oh geez sure she didn't have too bad a time of it after all but you still had the worry about all those things possibly not going well and again it's that extra level of anxiety that the pandemic is bringing in that regardless of how your journey goes that initial fear and anxiety and worry is there and I think it's a really really important thing to highlight um so that you know, you've still gone through that, even if your ultimate experience is a positive one, that still sticks with you. So it was really, really important that you brought that up. And I'm delighted that the nesting thing as well. I think it's an interesting flip on the whole pandemic thing. There's so many people. I was down in a farmer's market like two days after I had my second child thinking I was Wonder Woman. And I look back in it now and it's just like, oh, my God, like a I should have been in bed, I should have been at home. So the fact that the, the pandemic has encouraged parents to nest and stay at home and have that time with just themselves and their family as well um, is probably a little small glimmer of positivity amongst the whole uh, pandemic disaster. I guess I'll ask the obvious question, where do you live? <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm only joking. I'm just thinking of the people listening going, hmm, maybe we should move to the catchment area of that hospital. <laughs> it sounds like that's brilliant though, Circuit, that you had that flow, continuous flow of support, like ideal model of patient care whilst you were within the system. Uh, and I also phenomenal. thought it was in, oh, sorry. Sorry, I shouldn't have cut across you, but yeah, it was, it was, it was almost magical. You know, like you, you, if you could write the perfect scenario, that was it. And even what you were saying about how when you had your two older children, because you live in a more rural part of Ireland, that EBI has been there for you. And I think pre-pandemic, a lot of people, perhaps it was easy to be dismissive of EBI as a resource for breastfeeders. Um, but I've always seen and acknowledged that not everyone can get to a support group face-to-face. -face. Not everyone has the resources to hire um, people who are in private practice. But it sounds really positive that, you know, that you were being referred to the ear, nose and throat department within the maternity hospital. It's fantastic to hear that all of these, that slowly but surely things are beginning to improve. And yeah, I, I loved hearing about your journey. I really did. Well, that's it from us for today. Uh, thank you so much to all of the members and partners who um, were willing to share their stories with us today. Thank you so much, Sarka, for coming to be with us today. Thank you, Rebecca and Emma, for sitting with us. And thank you to our producer, Lynn. Thank you so much for joining us today. You can find out more information and support from our Facebook group, Extended Breastfeeding in Ireland, and from your local Quidju, La Leche League and Friends of Breastfeeding Support Groups. Have a good day.